On this episode of Citizen the Pod, I'm joined by CJ and Cirillo of Black With No Chaser, a media platform that is unapologetically Black. Check us out as we discuss Trump, impeachment, and so much more. So relax a little. This is a good one. What's up, Facebook Live? How are all of you? It's Kina Zantel. I'm so excited to be here with you all today. Joined with Black with No Chaser. I'm so excited to have the crew here with me. This is going to be an awesome conversation about some really serious topics. I think um, many of you have been feeling as if there's just so many things happening and going on. I don't even want to keep up with everything. That's what is for. That is what Black with No Chaser is for. So let me introduce my guests. I have CJ and Cirillo on the line. What's up, guys? What's going on? What's going on, Kina? Thank you so much for uh, having us here. Um, it's really exciting to be here with you uh, today to talk about some some issues that are, are really important to us. So uh, thank you so much for thinking of us. And uh, we're excited to uh, have you here uh, on our Black With No Chaser page as well. So it's dope. I'm honored. I'm honored. Cirillo, what's up? What's good? What's good, Kena? How you doing? Uh, I think I kind of echo everything that CJ just said. But, uh, you know, it's been a long time coming. I know that, like, when I met you, seems like, not that long ago, but it seems very long ago because mm-hmm. you're like, you know what I mean, when you meet somebody, you know, you met them. And uh, so I appreciate you for actually giving us a platform uh, to come on here and uh, really take over our page and do your thing. And so we're going to let you go ahead and take off and do your thing right now. So tune in, everybody. And while you out there, y'all make sure y'all sharing, commenting, tweeting, whatever you could do and kind of push this out because it's a much needed conversation around three hot, hot button topics that are trending mm-hmm. right now. And we about to dive in, y'all. So first, I think that folks should know, um, well, I guess, no, let me backtrack this. First, let me introduce myself to Black with No Chaser, because I, I don't think we, have, we haven't done anything yet. Um, and in a second, I'll let you do the same thing to all my Citizen the Pod viewers. So, boom. <laughs> um, Citizen the Pod is a podcast that I was inspired to start over a year ago because I felt like the pundits weren't like keeping it all the way real when it, when it, especially when they were discussing politics. Uh, I'm a political junkie. I love this. Uh, I spent quite a bit of time in the early stages of my professional career working on campaigns um, in New York state. And I love it. Like I just, I love to win. I love the adrenal adrenaline rush. I love um, the organizing aspect of it. So for me, being able to create a platform where I'm pushing people of color, young millennials to get engaged in a political process in various ways and not discounting the way in which you engage was important to me. For instance, and I'll, and I'll give you all an example. A lot of people don't like social media activists, right? That's been mm. kind of a, a, it's been thrown mm. around a lot. But the flip side of a social media activist is them using their platform for something good, even if it is just a few likes, but they're also disseminating information. So for Mm -hmm. me, I just think that we need to decide collectively to not down anyone in this space, 
but to continue to work together and to continue to just breathe life into each other and the movement, right? And right now, I just think mm -hmm. Black people are trying to figure out what their movement is, which direction we're going to go in as a group of people in the era of Trump and beyond Trump, right? Because we know Trump is just a, system, a, a symptom of the society that we already live in. There are people mm -hmm. that were angry on both sides of the aisle. There are people that are angry in the middle because we won't we won't come together in the middle. So I just think that Citizen the Pie for me was a place to bring young people on and to discuss a variety of topics, usually politically based, and um, get us all to just start thinking and just to start listening to each other. So that's Citizen the Pie. Um, and it was cool that I actually joined up with Black Widow Chaser on election day, not election day, I'm sorry, on debate night in Georgia. And we went to this really awesome event. Um, the Black mm -hmm. Male Voter Project had a really awesome event uh, out here. And it was just, to me, it was awesome to see a bunch of black men in the room discussing politics and how we move this thing forward. I think that, um, you know, working with Black With No Chaser, working with the Black Male Voter Project was something that was awesome for me just to see young mm -hmm. people getting engaged Dope. in a market. I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, um, and pretty, I know all the movers and shakers I know. So they, you know, yeah. they, they rock with me, we already communicated, but for me to be able to come into a big city and work with these two amazing groups was, um, was just something special to me. And I appreciated Cirillo, um, you know, responding to my DM when I was like, yo, put me on. So That's I just like to join the crew. We was out here kicking it and learning and just mm. vibing together, talking politics, talking debate night. So it was a good time. So that is why Citizen the Pie and Black with No Chaser is here today. So Citizen the Pie viewers, y'all know about me, but y'all don't know about Black with No Chaser. So CJ, Cirillo, I'm going to throw it to you. Who wants to introduce Black with No Chaser to the citizens? Man, I think it's well. As the CEO, as not the CEO, but CJ the CEO, to go ahead and introduce uh, uh, Black with No Chase to the pod um, audience. So, CJ, man, go ahead and do your thing, brother. Cool. All right. Well, uh, good afternoon, uh, good evening, wherever you are, everybody. This is CJ Lawrence of Black with No Chaser, uh, the CEO of Black with No Chaser. And uh, we're really excited to be uh, chilling with the citizens tonight uh, or today. Uh, thank you so much, Kina, again, for inviting us to do it. Um, your vibe has been dope since we met you. Uh, when we were down in Atlanta, like you said, we kicked it and uh, we were actually, uh, you know, partying for a purpose, which was dope. Mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, really were surrounded with our brothers and sisters throughout, uh, throughout the city of Atlanta that were really trying to move uh, the people forward. And that's what Black With No Chaser is really about. Uh, Black with No Chaser was started uh, two years ago. Um, it's crazy because of the growth that we've seen in such a small uh, time. Uh, but Black with No Chaser is uh, a media entity that uh, goes across multiple platforms, and we have a social advocacy arm as well. And uh, that's a major component to what we do. I think what we do is very unique and we can tell it's unique in the responses that we're receiving. Uh, we document the black, black experience and we do that uh, in an all encompassing way. Uh, it's really exciting uh, again to have the opportunity to introduce ourselves to your audience and uh, to really kind of get into some of the things that 
we naturally uh, get into, uh, including the subject matter that we'll discuss today. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. And I'll pass it off to Cirillo because with Black Widow Chaser, uh, we really are a round table while I, I hold the title of CEO. Um, I'm, I, I certainly uh, have understood that the type of leadership that I want to have in this capacity is one where uh, I have to kill the ego every day and understand that um, a part of good leadership is understanding that sometimes you have to lead from the back and uh, understand how to uh, follow as well. So um, I have good teammates and uh, Cervillo is one of my very good teammates. So I want to pass it along to him to let him talk a little as well. Ooh, uh, yeah, appreciate that, man. Um, you know, once again, everybody, I'm Cirillo, and uh, it's good seeing y'all again out there and good talking to y'all. But uh, for me, man, Black With No Chase is really an avenue to kind of like be myself. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I kind of came online in D.C. in a progressive space, and there was a lot of good things about it, but also a lot of things I felt like needed change. And so from within, there was only so many things you could do. And I felt like at the time, you know, uh, it was good to do those things, but now it's, I was like, I wasn't in the right headspace to remain there. Uh, so I kind of like, when CJ approached me, that was really like the first, the first thought I had, like, man, we can really blow this thing up and really build a community that, uh, that way we can be as black as we want to be, but also be ethical. Um, also, you know, uh, shoot for, for different standpoints and, and uh, I'm sorry, shoot for issues that we care about and speak about things that we, we know we know how to speak about. We don't need research to worry about that because we lived it, right? And, uh, and so, and in developing a culture of not just amongst ourselves internally, but also a culture where anybody, no matter where you're at, I don't care if you're in the United States, you're in a rural part of America, you in Europe, you in Africa, you over in India, you know, if you black, you subscribe to blackness, you think black and you live black unapologetically, then guess what? Like you black with no chaser, right? Um, and so I thought, so when we came together two years ago, that's what it really was about, to be honest. And so since then, like literally two years ago, like what? middle middle of november and now two years like to see that we're touching 15 to 20 people 20 million people a month um growing every day twitter has blown up uh ig has done this thing but really like the main thing was that we had an idea we executed on it i think the main thing that really uh brought us there was passion for our people and that passion really bled out into uh really the universe the ether and because of that we are who we are to this day and uh, I, we, I think we would say that's all because of us, but really it's because of everybody that really poured into BWNC, whether it was a share or a retweet or a comment or just, yeah. you know, simply liking the page. All those folks really made us who we are. So uh, I'll stop there. Yeah. Thank you. And no, then, but definitely, last thing I'll say, um, it's definitely been an organic experience watching BWNC, Black Widow Chaser grow into what it's become. Um, we, if you would have told us two years ago that two years later we'd be reaching like 15 million people a month like that wouldn't have been something that you know i mean like I, I mean maybe eventually but not within two years and so it's exciting like you know it's exciting and sometimes it's surreal in those moments to try to like totally conceive it to the point where like when we when we talk and i have even forgotten about that part not because it's not significant it's very significant but because uh we're so focused every day on the mission like uh on on the advocacy arm of it, things that people don't see because they see us posting memes and doing funny things and posting stories, right. but they don't mm -hmm. know that part. So right. it's exciting, Keenan. Yeah. 
Um, well, I appreciate getting the opportunity to talk to your audience and just merging together to have um, a pretty serious conversation because it's going down right now. And I haven't posted an episode since July. So citizens, voters, patriots out there who listen to me, I am so sorry, but it's been so much. And sometimes you need to take a break like you need to take a few steps back and try to re-energize and try to figure out um what's your voice in all of this and i think that's the break that i needed so um we're just we're just gonna get we're just gonna jump right into this with my outrage so let's start there uh you i'm sure all of you have seen that in the last few days, George Zimmerman had the audacity to think that it was appropriate for him to file a lawsuit against the family of Trey Von Martin when all the evidence proves that he shot and killed this young man. And um, he feels that his name has been slandered when he's a murderer. Like, there's just no other, there's no other way to describe him as a person, right? We're going to keep it real. You're, he's a thug, right? Yeah. He's a gangster. Um, yeah. He, does he walk around with guns? He walk around with guns too. I mean, I'm, I'm not really understanding why this thug continues to be able to use the criminal justice system, our, not even criminal, I guess this isn't criminal justice. This is our court system our judicial system in order to remain relevant and to me i feel like he's trolling black people right now like he's trolling black people he's trolling this family who had to bury their son because of him i'm sure my black with no chaser crowd i'm sure the citizens out there saw this and was immediately angry like the only emoji yeah, i could use was the sure. angry emoji with the expletives across because oh yeah this is, um, this is, I, I just, I have no, I have no words and I'm not sure there's anything that we can do. And CJ, you're a lawyer. Yeah. What is this? How do we Okay, so with- yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Can I, and you said expletives a moment ago, so I'm hoping that you don't mind me using a few of them in my- uh, I was, I mean, you know, it's online. Yeah, is that- why I, I mean, just so yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm always with the shits. That's the no chaser part of me. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, I mean, like that's part of it. But like, yeah, I can't stand saying that motherfucking name. Period. Mm. When it comes to ZZ, you know what I mean? And um, right. it's because of exactly what you said. It's a goal of his to remain uh, relevant in perpetuity, right? Yes. And uh, he does that by every once in a while. Um, he needs another money grab or he needs whatever. And he's literally exploiting the murder of uh, Trayvon Martin for monetary gain, right? Uh, but beyond that, what he's doing when, he, when, he, when you look at what the judicial system allows, right? Both the criminal side of things as well as the civil side of things is allowing, you can sue for pretty much anything. You can lawsuits can be as frivolous as you know. I mean, literally, you can make up a reason to sue somebody, and uh, we see it done all the time. But it's not typically done by lawyers who have principles. It it may be done by by lawyers who uh, 
are willing to sue over anything, but uh, not by someone who uh, really looks at the, the framework and looks at the bigger picture uh, and uh, totally understands it. With Trayvon Martin and this this GZ case, uh, this GZ situation, you essentially have somebody who is continuing to inflict emotional distress upon a family who, uh, you know, he has obviously altered, you know, forever um, by taking by taking their son away, by taking their son away. Now he has the audacity to sue them for a hundred million dollars. From a legal standpoint, it's not something that has really any legs to stand on. Uh, it's my understanding that uh, this, this is going back to some uh, video or film or some kind of thing that's on 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 Venmo. I'm not gonna name the name or whatever the video is. Not Venmo, but uh, Vimeo. I'm not gonna name what the video is because I don't want it to get any views. But I know that right. there's something out there that he's using as the the crux for what he for what he's holding this up again. It won't stand up in court uh, as far as the legal arguments that he's attempting to make with regard to a defamation of character because truth is the ultimate defense to defamation, right? And uh, he did kill Trayvon Martin. Yes. His, his, his defense was not, I didn't do it. His defense was that I did do it, but that I had a reason to do it. Now, none of us actually believe that there was a reason for a strange man with a gun to follow a teenage boy at night with that gun and after being told by police not to do so uh, and, uh, and subsequently wind up right and they always get away is what he said they always get away and to this day it still bothers me that a jury of Trayvon's peers quote unquote six uh, women five white one uh, Hispanic I believe uh, Founded in their hearts, or founded in their, within them, to not understand or think about what type of fear a boy, a, a teenage boy being followed by a strange man at night who also had a gun, uh, what type of fear that boy would have had in those mm. moments instead of that strange man with the gun. And right. now the strange man with the gun has profited from that gun and, prof and is attempting to profit from these parents' pain, and it's hella frustrating. Uh, to think about. I'm gonna pass it along to Cirillo. If I got something else to say about that, about that particular dude, I'll say it. But uh, I'm gonna pass it along. Yeah, uh, yeah, bro. I mean, like yesterday when I saw this, I was uh, sitting down, like literally on a, on my couch uh, behind me, and I seen it come across the. Uh, I got alert, and I said, mm -hmm. George Zimmerman um, suing the family of Trayvon Martin, uh, my good brother. Um, ben Crump, uh, federal, federal, I'm mean, sorry, uh, Florida state prosecutors. Um, right. And so like, the idea is that there was some malicious intent behind trying to find justice. Meanwhile, you launched another frivolous lawsuit. Oh, and by the way, over the years since 2013, you've been launching and filing lawsuits literally to fund GoFundMe or to like spring up another GoFundMe campaign to fund your litigation to fund his life, life. his life. And it's like literally making money off the back of another black human being. And it's like, to me, it's very hurtful. Uh, I think that even in Twitter though, as we like kind of uh, posted an article out there about George Zimmerman um, and the actual lawsuit itself. I mean, there probably wasn't one person in that thread that wasn't just out, just outright pissed 
by the fact that this dude had the gall to go and file another lawsuit like this. Oh, and by the way, his his lead attorney for the case is Larry Clayman. And for folks out there who do who do not know who Larry Clayman is, he's a former federal prosecutor. He is the guy, he is the founder of uh, Judicial Watch. If you're not familiar with Judicial Watch, um, it is a it is literally a, a litigious arm of the conservative activists or activism movement. I'm not sure if that even is a goddamn thing, right? Uh, to me, it's, it's, it's ironic because when I think of activism, I think of like something moving forward, something that's actually like, you know, revolutionary, but like a conservative activist is like, does it even gel well? And so like, but this is what he's calling himself as. He's calling, and then, then oh, by the way, and then the, the, the leg that they're standing on right now in this case is a book by the name of, let me get it right though. Let me pull up this, uh, this thing It's called, uh, it's called, oh, it's by a guy named, the book is called The Trayvon Hoax, Unmasking the Witness Fraud That Divided America um, by Joel Gilbert. Joel Gilbert is a, actually American filmmaker and also, by the way, a, uh, uh, a serial conspiracy theorist. So you have these, you have one person who the who the Southern Poverty Law Center has called a pathologically litigious lawyer, right? Another conspiracy theorist, and that this this pathologically litigious lawyer is predicating his entire case on mm -hmm. literally what the the author of this book, Joel Gilbert, has found as a well-researched, um, credible source to file another $100 million lawsuit to reopen wounds and to almost step on the grave in so many ways of uh, Trayvon Martin. And so like, to me, I am absolutely appalled. I am uh, disgusted. I am, uh, it's, it's hurtful to be honest uh, as, a, as a human being. And that's what I feel for the Trayvon Martin family, everything they're going through, they have been through. Yeah. Um, that, that community at Sanford, not to mention the racist history that Sanford uh, police and that community has had. Uh, and from from its inception until now, and so yeah, I mean it's just like it's just it's just like it's just gross, man. To like watch this dude yeah. off of the the back of a black boy. So tough. Yeah, Jeezy Jeezy you know is what? way too comfortable. It's too comfortable. I agree. Like I I, I don't know, um, and I I don't really know what to say about it. And I think that it's. It's unfortunate that he also has this imaginary fan base, like this social media fan base that's willing to fund the nonsense. You know, yeah. we can't even get, we can't even raise enough money for the legal defense for the young lady who was attacked by the police um, at the Waffle House because yeah. she requested she didn't want to pay fifty cent for free plastic utensils, right? So mm -hmm. we, but this man can, you know, you, but we can. The guy who shot Eric Garner when he lost his job in New York, his GoFundMe page, he raised over a hundred thousand dollars. Pantaleo. So I think that you know, not not shot. I want to make sure we get it right though. So not shot, but chokehold, right? It's a legal chokehold against Eric Garner, by the way, for um, selling cigarettes on the corner, um, trying to make a way for his family. And so, uh, so we'll, I want to make sure we get we set the record straight uh, in terms of how he right. was actually. It was a legal chokehold, not a shooting. Mm -hmm. So, I, and I think I just mentioned that to say that we, as these collective spaces that are allowing black people to just be themselves and to talk real about the issues, 
we need to also engage off these platforms in a variety of ways in order for us to really like be the change that we seek. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because he's he's gotten too much air, and I'm with you, CJ. What's his GZ? The Mm -hmm. murderer. I mean, like Mm -hmm. at this point. We shouldn't be using his name just like we don't utter the name of terrorists, right? Like, yeah. because this is, um, you know, I mean, white men with guns. Is when one. we gonna name white terror? Like, when we gonna put a name to white terror for us? Like, as yeah. a community, we, we can we can put a name on it. Um, so you know, I just it's unfortunate that this is happening, especially around the holidays. Hey, if you need to go to social media and voice your outrage, feel free. Y'all know how to find Black or No Chaser. Y'all know how to find Citizen the Pot. Just talk about it, you know? Talk about it, and if there are things that, if it inspires you to do something in your community, that's why we're here, and that that's all mm-hmm. we want. So um, to move on in conversation, let's get into impeachment talk. I told all my citizens that I would be talking about impeachment a while ago. And I think that so many things have happened. I mean, we've seen a whistleblower come and go. We've seen, um, you know, ambassadors come and go. We've seen head of states come and go. We've seen lawyers get fired. We've seen testimony from people who are on the call with President Donald Trump that sparked this. So I'm going to rewind us back and just give you the background on impeachment. So on my social media page, I recently asked, just asked my Instagram followers, do you even know what impeachment is, right? And I'm not gonna assume anyone listening to this knows what it is. So an impeachment is when the lower house, the House of Representatives, believes that there's compelling evidence to start looking into matters of bribery, treason, or high crimes and misdemeanors done by public officials, people who hold office and represent us in the highest offices. So that is your president, your vice president. These are all, these are the folks that can be impeached. Now an impeachment is not removal from the office. Impeachment is just the grand jury. It's like we're gathering the facts and the information to see if there is a case for that person to be removed from office. And it seems to me, but I am what they would want to label a partisan, um, it seems to me that the president, yes, he has done things that uh, that make him impeachable. Um, we've seen, you know, we we, listen, we had a president that was impeached because he had an affair. So if we can impeach a president for an affair, we can impeach a president who decides he's going to, you know, bribe a government to look into his political opponents and, you know, do some digging to see if he can find some dirt in order to release some aid to help them fight the same country that he loves to protect. Yes, I'm gonna say Russia. Like this is really all about Russia. But anyway, I know everyone's sick of hearing Russia, but the truth is the truth. Like you're not gonna be on, you're not gonna be as citizen the pod. You're not gonna be led down the wrong route with black with no chaser. So we just gonna keep it real. Like all roads lead to Russia, but right now we just gonna talk about Ukraine, right? So on July 25th, there was a phone call between President Zelensky of Ukraine and President Donald Trump in which 
President Zelensky clearly stated, hey, I need your aid because I need missiles because I'm fighting Russia. The president responds saying, well, can you do me a favor? Right? So it's all about how, unfortunately, because impeachment has a political side of it, it's easy to mm, twist words and to manipulate and to make people feel that you may have heard one thing, but you're hearing something else, right? Like we know how this president goes. Like chaos and confusion is what actually, that benefits him, right? Because if you're hearing so many different things and so many different voices, you can't decipher what's true. So you wanna block out all the noise and just go straight to the person and then boom, you're just focused on how the president views this as opposed to hearing outside voices. So I know impeachment is a lot, Blackwood No Chaser, what have you been hearing from like your followers about impeachment? I mean, are they sick of it? I'm hearing that people feel that they're tired of talking about impeachment, but I don't know. I mean, like when I talk to black people and I mention impeachment, they have no problem having conversations with me about it. So have you been hearing anything from your Blackwood No Chaser crew about impeachment? How do they feel? Yeah, on the, like, on the, whether or not, like, Black with No Chaser folks or, like, Black folks in general have been actually, like, worrying about the impeachment, I think that from a, just like a national news standpoint, it's, like, so in your face, so it's, like, it's almost like you, it's almost like you're, you're not even allowed to not to think about it, because, like, mm -hmm. every single day, it's, like, force-fed down your throat, right, of, like, yes. what Trump is doing, what he's not doing, um, mm -hmm. how he's, like, denying the uh, House Intelligence Committee, to actually subpoena witnesses. You're um, right. He's literally like subpoenaing, like he's like subpoenaing, he's like denying the subpoenas to like subpoena the Supreme Court. Like it's like literally trying to like do every single loophole to uh to enjoin House Intelligence Committee uh chairman um Schiff and everybody a part of that committee to actually like do the due diligence not of not of the committee, but also the will of the American public, which is also in, in form of the American democracy. And so mm -hmm. like, nobody, you know, it's so funny that uh, I get, I get so frustrated, right? Oh, I got friends who are Republicans and uh, even they find this actually uh, reprehensible. Um, you know, I look at, I look at, I look at the fact that, uh, you know, I think on a national scale, there's this, there's this willingness to want to coalesce around the president because he is a Republican, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, I think that what it speaks to is that like, there are people that are willing to actually drag this country down with them regardless of whether or not this person is right or wrong. I think that, you know, when you look at the court of law and whether or not somebody can be indicted by a grand jury, it's literally not even preponderance of the evidence. It's like, if there's a scintilla of evidence that you can levy um, and, it, and it's reasonable, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and guess what? Like, we're going to trial. Here we are. I mean, like, I mean, if you just look at the Watergate scandal, right? And what happened there. Like literally the same thing that happened there, but this is like even far worse. So I just want to take folks real quick on like why this hearsay argument is implausible by the other side. When I say other side, I'm a Democrat. So when they say implausible, I mean the Republicans by the fact they're saying it's hearsay because if you deny everybody that had firsthand knowledge, well, hell, all we left is this second and um, third hand knowledge. So here are the actual key witnesses that we never heard from. One, the acting White House Chief Secretary Mick Mulvaney. Now, this guy here went in front of the press and said in so many yes. words, said, yes. he literally said on the record, on the record, and to me, though, that was enough. To me, that was enough, right? He went on the record right. like, in so many words, damn, 
Y'all got me, right? This this is this is this is what Mulvaney said. Then yeah. national security advisor John Bolton. Now John Bolton though has already came out as some smoking gun type of deal and said that pretty much like y'all wait on me, dot dot dot. I got something for y'all. Now I don't know if that means that he's gonna absolve Donald Trump of any Donald Trump of anything, if he's gonna actually like add to what's been already put forth by the House Intelligence Committee for the um, uh, majority side, the Democrats. Um, another one, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, right? So this guy, yeah. there's not, there's no other person really outside of the president that would know what the hell is going on with foreign dignitaries going out in terms of like handling our foreign affairs right. than, than Mike. And so you got Secretary Pompeo saying that, look, you know what though? I, I don't know if these, these people individually say they don't want to go on, go on a stand or actually go in front of the House Intelligence Committee. But at the end of the day, though, whether they want to do it, whether they don't want to do it, right? I think they're like, look, when you actually have the people that have the inside scoop, that's like going, that's like knowing everybody is part of a gang, right? Or organized crime. Right. And going, we know what you know, but we can't, we can't get you here because the rules that apply to criminal, criminal justice work, right? And, and typical criminal proceedings, they don't apply here. So this guy can usurp not only the actual criminal justice proceedings, mm -hmm. how they right. work, but you can also usurp the act, usurp the actual American democracy of our right to know the goddamn truth. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's at the end of the day though, like, look, if it looks like a duck and it sounds like a duck and it walks like a duck, then goddamn it, it's a duck. It's so, a duck. It's a quack. criminal people. Quack quack. <laughs> Yo. I'll stop there though. Yo. We should be um, clink clink. Like he needs oh, like right. Let me just clink. say for real, for real. Let me say to Giuliani though. It's so funny. Giuliani came out, was like, Yeah, this this this, this guy's hilarious, right? But he's <laughs> like, Yeah. Cause you know, he's a lawyer for Trump, right? And he's basically right. saying, Well, Trump is my lawyer, and I'm speaking on behalf of Trump, and Trump's saying this, Trump's saying that, and because if he doesn't want to say anything, he's not gonna say it. And it's almost like, well, Giuliani, if you know Trump is guilty, then like, then you're guilty too. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, if you know he's guilty, then like, yeah, there's some like, there's there's, there's definitely a a, a a confidentiality there that uh, of that 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 oath that lawyer takes to their um to their to the client. But like, there's also part of professional ethics, really though, that if you're a lawyer and you know your client has done something, especially at this magnitude, you actually at that point have to actually tell the people like you got to tell the truth right so the lack of candor across the entire board here is really uh frustrating and um it's kind of maddening to see this play out and the fact that republicans everybody knows it's like so much law and order is literally the, the the irony of it all is that this is so much far from law and order it's like i don't even know what the goddamn put a name on it right now it's like yeah, yeah, I was gonna say they um they do a real good job at contradicting themselves, and mm. you know the 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 example I think Law and Order is the perfect like example of that. We have a party that says we are supposed to be about the Constitution. We are supposed to respect um law enforcement. We are supposed to um hold them into the highest. Uh, you know, we're supposed to place them on a pedestal and believe that they're doing things justly and right. And then on the flip side of that, we have a president that can legitimately tell his staff to ignore federal subpoenas. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but everybody I ever know, know who was ever raided or taken to jail never had the opportunity to even know they was under that something about them were going to a grand jury, and then they can go to the witnesses that were called to be on that same grand jury and say, "Don't go." 
Like as because it's I'm interfering with a witness. Right. Like when I, as far as I'm concerned, if if the if the if the people wanted to come for me with a grand jury, I, one I'm not gonna know, and two I'm not gonna be able to tell the people that they call as witnesses not to show up. If this is a double standard here, because it like would be when, obstruction of justice. Right. Yes. Like when they tried to call when they tried to call um the raid of Roger Stone uh, a travesty. Um, excuse me, have you ever been in a raid? I have, and I know I haven't been in the room, but I've seen one. Yeah. And, mm. and I've, seen, I've seen them go into communities with tanks. Okay. Yeah. Tanks. Real shit. Okay. Real shit. With tanks. You know what tanks I'm saying? Tanks and armor. Yeah. Okay. About Roger Stone, though, just something that's really funny, like kind of lighten the mood for like one second. Right. I was in Charlie Palmer one day drinking a glass of wine, and the last time I actually seen that guy was uh was actually in Charlotte Palmer getting a steak with a whole entourage around. And that was right <laughs> before he actually went to jail. So it's so funny that guy in wow. jail. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. He deserves he deserves I, it though. What I will say, what I'll say about um Trump, uh what I'll say about Trump is this. Um while he campaigned on the notion of his campaign being about America and the whole idea of making America great again. Uh, nothing about Trump's presidency or push for the presidency has ever been about America and everything about Trump's push for the presidency has always been about Trump, right? Yes. Understanding that Trump is the, the, the center of Trump's interest. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it should come as no surprise that uh, Trump would be putting himself first uh, in any instance where uh, even where even um, international international aid or uh, foreign affairs are at play, right? So uh, when we when we hear something like "Hey, Trump uh, basically withheld four hundred and fifty million dollars in financial yes. financial in assistance aid. as well and mm -hmm. aid in the form of uh, military equipment that would deter." Uh, Russians from continuing. I mean, like literally, I've I've been in Ukraine before, right? I've mm. been to Ukraine before. They, I, I I was in Ukraine right after uh, the breakup of the Soviet Union uh, wow. as a foreign exchange student. They still spoke Russian there. Um, they right. they they also speak Ukrainian, but they still speak Russian there because you know that's what been what's been indoctrinated into them. And at that time, it was a still a very sketchy place. Like it, it was still. The democracy was new. It was their, right. they, I was there when they when they had their first election at the time. Um, since that time, I mean, it's still a a, a relatively new. Uh, it's a, a a relatively relatively new uh, space operating yes. outside of the parameters of the USSR uh, or the former Soviet Union, right? Or the former Soviet bloc. When you take that into consideration, you understand that Russia is literally right up on Ukraine. Right. Yeah. And it's a substantially larger, it's a substantially larger uh, country, a substantially more powerful country. So uh, it's literally them calling Trump on the phone is like them saying, hey, you know, the bully is literally outside my door right now and they exactly. kicking it down. Yeah. And Trump being on the phone with Zelensky at the time and saying to him, I right, well, you know, I'll help you. Um, but I need you to do a little something yeah. for me first. Is the equivalent of almost circumstances where predators prey on people, right? Uh, it's, yeah. it's 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 a it's a uh, we got predatory lending and we got 
even I mean he hit him with the sugar daddy line like what you gonna do for me what you gonna he do? literally what hit him with the what you gonna but you know I got yeah I got it but what you gonna do for me and I'm like that's the creepy like when you really take it into consideration <laughs> oh he a creep he grabbed him about was it right it wasn't yeah right like so you, we got a certified <laughs> pussy grabber asking what you gonna do for me and understanding that understanding that we must know that he's always centered himself right so the mm-hmm. so the the notion that he wants to know information about biden or biden's son or their interest in ukraine or whatsoever and and the, and, the, and that being tied into the fact that biden is you know in some polls to according to some i ain't no pollster so i don't know leading and I, you know and I leading in polls right so right that they didn't call me they asked me so i mean like but according to that it it seems he believes that this white man is 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 the is his main competition right, right? uh this white right. man and former vice president is his main competition so he wants yeah. all the dirt just like he wanted all the dirt last time we know he a certified pussy grabber and a certified tea getter since we understand yeah. these things we must, we must certified tea getter. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what I mean. We know these things, and since we know these things, since we understand mm-hmm. this, we we take things like Sunland's, uh, Sunland's WhatsApp texts, right? That literally say this, and 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 these things are, are around the time of July, around the time of August, versus mm-hmm. the things that they're trying to rely upon, because mm-hmm. what we found is that Republicans or conservatives are willing to bend in whatever direction is necessary for them to do what they're trying to do, to push their agenda forward. Uh, we yes. saw that with the Supreme Court uh, and them not allowing Obama to to uh, appoint a Supreme Court justice when he's still his presidency. Yeah, right? Okay. We, Come on. Come on now. Yeah, so we've seen them bend at, at, every, at every turn. And so it's funny because literally they can see something. They can see Sondland's text in black and white. They can hear three professors who are constitutional law professors in the in at Harvard, Stanford, and I forget what the others, maybe Georgetown, and tell you this is what the Constitution says and say, "Oh, fuck that. That shit don't mean nothing." But the one thing that's on their side, that's the reliable shit. Like, oh. Right. You know, this is the shit that I'm going to, um, this is what I'm going to attest to. This is what I'm going to hold on to. This is what I'm going to say is, is, is valid in this instance. So in spite of the fact that all of the evidence is adding up on one side of the issue, the evidence or the, you know, what they're willing to lean upon is, you know, at best, uh, I, I call it, you know, someone hanging off a cliff. With, their, with with one hand, you know what I mean. Like literally, it's highly unreliable, uh, and they and they uh, are attempting to uh, misinform people by telling us that Ukraine was as involved in the last election uh, as as uh, as, Russia as Russia was. was. Ukraine, and that's nice. never been said for the last right. since 2016. That was never said up until you know them start them starting to say it when the when the when the fire was getting hot. And so and it, was, um, it was proven wrong. So you're right. Yeah, right. So it's uh, I mean, you know, when we understand those things and we understand who we're dealing with, we, we understand that he has certainly uh, done some things that rise to the level uh, of impeachment. Uh, Nixon was breaking into Watergate at the time to get dirt on his opponent, right? So yeah. the, I mean, like essentially, I mean, like that. I mean, 
the yeah. Watergate, the water, I mean, ultimately it was about him getting reelected. You know, it was about mm -hmm. him being able to advance his presidency. The same right. is true in this instance. This is about Trump trying to advance his presidency to a second term and ensure mm -hmm. uh, that he has the leverage to be able to do that. Um, since we understand those things, we have to look at that at least as a precedent for how to move forward in an instance like this. And since we understand that, I think there's more than enough information that has been uh, delivered, more than enough evidence that's been delivered to move forward with an impeachment. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I think I think they need to tax that ass. It's time for that. It's time. What are, what are the the alleged offenses right now by the uh, majority on the House Intelligence Committee? It is obstruction of justice, obstruction of Congress, and and uh, abuse of power. Now they abuse haven't really got the bribery uh, part yet. They don't know exactly if that's they want to levy uh, uh, okay. uh, that, that that charge against him. But I think that uh, though the three out of the four gets us there, and uh, so as it stands, I believe um, even after today's testimony was a little bit not as fiery as it was uh, in the first week, right during the dim debate down in Atlanta. Um, definitely mm -hmm. uh, had more of the uh, like inner workings of the Trump administration. Uh, maybe not necessarily at, on the administration side, but definitely people that work within the State Department, um, foreign dignitaries that would have um, privy information about what was happening. Uh, and so we look at it, I think we put it all together, right, and connect the dots and then make the reasonable inferences about whether or not uh, the Trump did, in fact, um, use his, abuse his power as president of the United States and the, uh, and the uh, institution of the Oval Office to curry favor and, to, and to, to try to meddle in, once again, meddle in our democracy and interfere with elections. Uh, to me, like, it all lines up to at least um, a plausible impeach, impeachment to move to the Senate. But I think the next case is whether or not Republicans will get up off their ass and stop um, and stop hiding behind the, the so-called rules. Because it's so funny, they make all the rules, and then when they make them, and then when they happen, they can't change them. For example, when they were locked out of the actual House hearing, uh, they were right. like, blah, about, oh, man, man, I can't, uh, we can't get in here, they locked us out. You made the rules, Goofy. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, to me, there's a, a day after day, all they do is show to me is the level of incompetence to lead mm -hmm. in this country. And uh, to, uh, so right now what we need is, is more folks who care about the greater good of, of, of our democracy, uh, not, uh, not, the, uh, not the sum total of, of a few. And so uh, we got we to gotta do better. Um, and so hopefully yeah. from those impeachment hearings, we learn a lot from uh, what has happened. Um, I'm hoping that election 2020 literally sees a seismic blue wave across the country where we can mm -hmm. flip this. We've already flipped a, a, a couple of governor's mansions um, back in, in 19. Uh, and so uh, it's, been, it's been encouraging to see what happened in 2016 when we flipped the house. And so, uh, look, uh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, 18, was it 18? 18, yeah. 18, we flipped the house And so I think there's going to be another wave in 2020. Um, so, look, I just want to put it out there right now. If you're in South Carolina, uh, James Harrison is running for uh, USN down there against Lindsey Graham. Yes. Brothers campaign. Um, we have state house, state elections, statewide elections all across uh, the United States and several states. Um, we have gubernatorial races that are uh, that are that are that are coming up in 2020. Uh, a, a third of U.S. Senate seats are up on, up on the chopping block. Where a lot of those be being Mitch McConnell, um, Kentucky. They got a, a, a woman out there who's running against them. Her name is evading me right now, but uh, but she's uh, she's definitely uh, some person to be on the lookout for. So if you could mm -hmm. donate to these campaigns. 
whether it be on a local, state, or uh, a federal level, go ahead and donate because every dollar will count to make sure that we ensure that this democracy is moving forward um, for the greater good of all people and not just a few in this country. So, Right, because I mean, this whole impeachment fiasco really proves that it's like one government for one group and one government for other people. I mean, you know, it's it, and it's just sad to really see that we can't come together even when we're supposed to be upholding the constitution itself like that is the underlying core problem with like the, the whole impeachment narrative in the media and on the other side we can't get americans to understand that now like this is this is above us like we need to be able to tell a president when you're not acting in the best interest of this country that you're doing something wrong and it was i've seen something earlier today where republicans were nervous when nancy pelosi um, made an announcement that she was going to do a press conference today because they thought that she was going to decide to do a censure vote and a censure vote is basically the house saying you the president did something wrong but there's nothing we can do about it and believe me behind closed doors there are republicans who will who will gladly tell you the president was wrong he overstepped himself did he abuse his power they may not say well he didn't abuse his power but he did something wrong so so they it was it was republicans who were scared to have to actually take a censure vote because they knew that deep down inside there was a possibility that there were republicans that would actually take that vote and vote with democrats on a censure literally 10 months out out of you know out from an election like and you know maybe those republicans lose but at this point and i've said this before on citizen the pod we've got to be about uh, making sure that our public servants are exactly that like they're there to serve if i go to congress i'm gonna take a vote that i know there are people in my constituencies that's not gonna like it but if my conscience says to vote this way and you vote me out that's fine i i can respect that right I i'm gonna need congress to not be um a a jobs plan for bored lawyers and rich white men like it, it, it like this cannot be the route you take in order to stay relevant and see it as a job long term right it needs to be mm -hmm. something that you decide to do because there's something that you want to change and send me to congress so i can try to change that but my, my goal is to serve the people who voted me into office and it right. also is so i think that we need to get back to that um and I don't, I don't really know how we do that, but I feel like as the people who listen to Citizen the Pod and Black with No Chaser, we're out here organizing so that we can create those coalitions where we can send people to office that are going to represent us. Absolutely. And make those changes. Absolutely. So we've talked some impeachment. I mean, look, y'all can Google everybody who decided to, um, you know, testify on the Judiciary Committee. I mean, we heard from Sondland who was his ambassador to Ukraine. We heard from two folks that were on the call and the one guy actually said Pompeo was on the call and that's how we found out Pompeo knew about everything from the beginning. Um, I mean, there was also, you know, scandal with where the transcript of the call went. But at the end of the day, the impeachment this, this impeachment is about the president's words. And to me, the president puts his own foot in his mouth every day. Like if we need an attack ad against Donald Trump, we literally can use his Twitter account. We can use every single day in which this man has gotten in front of a camera 
to make the argument to the American people that he is unfit to be president. And this is not about him. This is not about us. It's about him. I mean, I think we all should be in uproar that he keeps bringing Joe Biden's son up before not having, you know, the experience to do a job in Ukraine when he's got his daughter and his son-in-law who's literally managing, um, you know, what's it, what is Ivanka Trump's husband? Why I can't think of his, his name right now. Um, but he's uh, Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner is managing our Israeli policy. He's managing impeachment. He's managing criminal justice reform. Like, dude, can hire somebody. I mean, the, we know the Senate is going to approve anybody that you decide to put in a post. Hire somebody. But he's uh, he's he's clearly doesn't have the the background or the resume that says he's experienced in foreign policy with Israel. The man is Jewish. Okay, so what would you try? Would you, I don't know everything about black people or black women just because I'm black. Like, right. well, what is he about? So we need to figure out how we're going to get this man out of office because this impeachment thing is an embarrassment. We've got world leaders cracking up laughing at him. Um, and, and now they're willing to buck against him publicly on TV. I mean, if anyone watched the Macron interview with Donald Trump before they went into that, went into that, um, the, the meeting yet the other day, Macron bucked him publicly in front of everybody. He he's done with it. He don't want to kiss his ass no more because he know it doesn't get you anywhere. The only mm-hmm. people who gets him out of Trump is is Kim Jong Un in North Korea, Vladimir Putin in Russia, and the, the president of Turkey, Erdogan. The, on, the only people invade. The I only people that 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 that'll punk his ass. That's basically who 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 he, who the people who put his ass in his place are the people that he. That he respects. He can. He actually hears them when they say so. Right. I mean, any, any. He low key does their bidding, but listen, I didn't just name Kim Jong Un, Erdogan. Listen, I'm so proud of the way I say these names, though. Yeah, you did your thing. You did your thing. It was, it was impressive. (laughs) You know, hey, citizens, the pod, you got a real one. Listen, y'all gotta know. Y'all gotta know what I'm talking about. You gotta say these names right. I don't don't ask me to spell it black with no chaser, okay? This is not a spelling. Don't do me like that. And if you know what though, this is one of the dope things about Black with No Chaser too, is you know, they call us on to like a lot of the other media stations to talk about black shit, like you just said. But they don't talk they don't bring us on much to talk about foreign policy and about uh issues like these issues. And so it's dope. And um good to 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 know that we can have these conversations and have these conversations with our audiences and uh that they can be conversations that they can can appreciate and relate to um because these are issues that matter to us too um and we don't have to be we don't just have to talk about uh police brutality and things like that all the time so Mm -hmm. uh we also ordinary folk you know i mean we uh cnn commentators we we're not on msnbc we don't have our, our our nightly show. We are literally coming to you as like concerned Americans, concerned citizens, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, in, in a way that uh, we're just trying to figure out like, you know, where do we go from here? And so the only answers we have right now are really like that a lot of people um, really, really know that this guy Trump did something wrong and just don't want to fess up to it because they're afraid. And I'm gonna just call it out though. Um, and, and the name of white fragility and white supremacy is that like that like most folks are afraid that you know if, if they let go of this guy they're also letting go of some type of illusory power uh, right. that they 
built upon by way of uh, uh, forced migration, capitalism, and uh, other various caste systems that that really has never done anything for people of color in this country. And so it really goes back to you know, when we talk about you know I think about Mondell and brothers brother uh, the Black Men Voter Project and when we're down in Atlanta voting and why folks don't vote. Folks have a level, level of apathy in this country that they just don't feel like, you know, this, this democracy works for them. And that's not really only just black folk. They got a lot of white folk in this country that stay home, um, brown folk that stay home because mm -hmm. they look to see what's going on in democracy. And they're going, well, if he can go ahead and just do whatever he wants as president of the United States, how, how is a leader of the country that can be held to the highest standard, you know, stoop so low, but yet not be held accountable for his actions? And I think that that really does, it, does, it doesn't sit well with a lot of people. I think some people uh, will get angry and get out in 2020 and vote. But I think other folks really just want to stay at home because they say, "Who? What's to say the next person we put in office, whether it be on a city, um, on a municipal um, level, whether it be on an actual state level or federal level, won't go ahead and do the same exact thing." So we really got to get back to basics. This is just like human decency and knowing that when we go to Congress or you elected official, yeah, you're actually going um, in the namesake of folks you represent, your constituents. And so like, this mm -hmm. is what it's really about. And so it's like, I really can't wait. I mean, I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm like energized about 2020. I've been energized about 2016. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. like it was yesterday, I remember being in the office in DC and feeling crushed. Damn, man, we let a guy uh, like Trump get into the White House and how um, our democracy was already fragile. Um, it really weakened it uh, even more. And so, man, I'm, I look, y'all, we got to get active, get after Like, we really don't, we really lack of hope out there. And so, uh, you know, I, I just for everybody listening to this, who will listen to this, um, to kind of like act um, and not and not be on the actual reactionary side, but actually be on like the proactive side about your democracy. Because if you're not, I'm like, we already see what would happen that, uh, when we, we sit on our hands and hope to God somebody's going to come in and save us. No, you be the savior. Yeah, Say, um, we saving ourselves all 2020. For sure. Um, now, though, I love that. We need to put it on the show, y'all. Uh, for real, we saving ourselves 2020 and beyond. Now, let, me, let me say this. Let me say this real quick, and I know we got a. Um, I know there's another subject. I I just wanted to, and I, I won't even call it pushback, but I just wanted to kind of say, give some nuance to um, what Cirillo spoke to about um, brothers and sisters who may or may not vote. And uh, that being deemed apathetic, uh, I don't necessarily believe that it's always apathy. I think that sometimes it's a conscious form of protest um, mm. that is an actual uh, rejection of the of the um, of the policies and the party and the party system, uh, and yeah. and also the candidates that uh, are there because they've had no say in the process or feel that they have not been included in the process. Uh, I I think that a lot of the brothers that spoke at the brothers be voting. Uh, initiative that was such a powerful event, um, in my opinion, when they were there and they were present, to me, it said that they cared, uh, even if they didn't vote. Some of the brothers even that were speaking on vote. it, they were some of yeah. the most most willing to speak on it. And uh, what I found that to mean was not that they don't care about um, the political process or don't care about uh, who wins or who loses, but that they don't feel that they've been included to the extent that we know what it is that needs to be the framework that speaks to that particular uh, sector. I mean, and different people vote for different reasons or don't vote for different reasons. But I think until we uh, are actually in the faces of 
uh, the, the brothers, sisters, and it's not just, you know, black folk. It's a lot of people that don't vote, but uh, I'm speaking directly to black folk because that's who we that's who that's who we working for. Um, when it comes to them, I think it's important to to understand that, like, uh, it's going to require a more inclusive process sometimes than the one that uh, somehow we got 20 candidates that we don't know how we got. Uh, you know, they just emerged and, and like, here's your choices. And I guess we're about to talk okay. about those choices now. So oh. let you, I'm going to throw it back to you on that note. <laughs> Thank you so much, CJ, for that segue. <laughs> we appreciate it. And I think that it was, I saw that um, a Natalie, Alisa Rodriguez, hey, Natalia, maybe I think I'm saying it wrong. It's probably Natalia. How you doing, girl? Thank you for tuning in. Um, she mentioned something that I think is um, very important to talk about as we move into the next segment. Um, and she put, the Democrats need to unite better if we want to get a hold of what's going on right now. Like, and um, right now, flipping blue may just be reactionary to the Trump phenomenon, but what's to say after the election, we don't go back to the current status quo. And status quo is, I think, the um should be like the headliner for our next segment we okay. literally um go ahead oh, oh no i'm sorry i'm sorry because i just want to say this i was at the uh, i was at a um at a gun violence prevention um recently in dc uh with my good brother Dante barry we was out there talking about it and the one thing that really stuck out to me was folks talking about status quo and politicians lack of willingness to use political capital for real de democratic gains, right? And yeah. so we literally play political um, chess, mm -hmm. right? Not mm -hmm. for the benefit of like constituents, not for the benefit of us, but for the benefit of their careers. And so I understand that when you're up there, right? Yes. And this also goes back to candidates too, though. So mm -hmm. candidates also can't waste or, or need, need to start actually wasting and waging their political capital, wherever they ha may have, because yeah. that's how we start normalizing things in this country and yes. start extraordinary ideas to be ordinary. And so it's like the thing about it is that if you're not willing to waste political capital, you're not willing to go out there and advance an agenda that's actually good for all the people, no matter if you think it's good for you or not. I think that most reasonable people who understand politics will go like when they see a good idea, will act on it. So I'll stop that. But that's about that status quo comment. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about the status quo and right now the democratic field for presidency is looking real status quo like to me is looking it's looking um real the empire strikes back right now like everybody white. <laughs> like every, yeah. everybody looks the same um kamala harris i'm sure all of you know has recently dropped out of the race she's um basically stating that she doesn't have the money to move forward um, and doesn't see a pathway to victory. Um, we know that Julian, Julian Castro and Cory Booker will not be on the next debate stage um, because they didn't have the resources to be able to jump from zero to 3% in 30 days because they don't have billions of dollars like Mike Bloomberg and Tom Steyer do. Um, and the access to it, like the um, the former governor of Massachusetts, Duval, might have access to um, to jump in the race. So, you know, just to see the crowd go from this rainbow coalition in January. I mean, we had women, we had 
people of color to see it dwindle down literally to Joe Biden, Sanders, Warren, and Pete Buttigieg that quickly. Like we are muted out of the conversation that quickly um, because we don't have the same access to resources, which is a surprise to me because, you know, I ain't gonna front, I see Cory Booker at, and Kamala Harris actually as corporate Dems. Um, so I'm, I'm really surprised to see those moderate voices not have the funds to continue in the race, but, um, and to see, I mean, and, and I think the strength of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren is because they were already, I mean, Elizabeth Warren's probably been running for office since she was made head of the Consumer Bureau <laughs> of like, by, you know, by President Obama, um, the Consumer Protections Bureau. Uh, so you know, I, it's just like, I'm, I'm disappointed in, in what the field looks like. And I think that unfortunately the status quo is not gonna inspire very many people to run for office. I think Bernie has his own lane. Um, and I think that may be where my support goes because of that, because I really wanna see like some real progressive change. But I'm, you know, I'm worried that without a person of color anywhere near the ticket is gonna be a problem. I mean, I, Black people, we love us. It ain't nothing wrong with loving us. And we need to make sure that whoever takes that vice president, whoever is on anybody's vice president ticket can really inspire us to, to go out and vote. So, I mean, how do y'all feel about the new status quo look of the Democratic candidates? And the debate stage is gonna look very different. And, you know, I, I feel like just our topics are just going to be you know, push it back because you, I mean, Cory Booker really can say some things extremely eloquently and can, can chime in quick to, to get a point across and to speak to us and the same with Kamala Harrison. I mean, we're going to be missing that. Julian Castro's good at it too. We're going to be missing that in the next debate. What are y'all thinking? What is Black with No Chaser viewers listening to, you know, thinking about right now? So, yeah, um, thank you for that question. Gina, um, I got the office, the, the phone is ringing in the background, so I apologize for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, that's the most ratchet shit ever. But... That's that budget, baby. That's <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And it's, and it's talking and shit. But uh, yeah, no, my apologies. But yeah, with regard to uh, Kamala Harris, uh, the thing that I'll say is, um, and, I, and I, I, I've, I've seen a lot of people prefacing things this way, and I feel the need to preface it too, not because uh um uh, any uh perceived backlash or anything but because i think it helps to frame the conversation that i'm gonna have i'm gonna ultimately have about uh kamala and about the the representation on stage kamala was not my candidate she was not the person that uh that uh i was pulling for that doesn't mean that i don't like kamala in the capacity in which she currently uh works as a senator uh as a united states senator uh but beyond that, I do think that uh, Kamala was initially always perceived as a strong candidate. And two years ago, many people uh, kind of pinpointed her as potentially one of the leading candidates. So to see her uh, have to bow out, not only bow out of the race before Tulsi Gabbard and Andrew Yang, who are uh, mm. still still possibly potentially in this next debate, and even before uh, Amy Klobuchar, 
and some of the other bigger house, the, the names that you know, uh, and the names that have uh, have been entrenched in uh, politics for decades. Uh, it's it's quite interesting and quite telling because when media came out, media came out very strong against Kamala uh, Harris, and it came out not on what she had done as a senator, uh, but on what she did in her capacity as a district attorney. Uh, what I'll say to that is many of the things she did, uh, including uh, those things dealing with the, the the parents and putting parents in jail for uh, children not attending school and uh, the uh, some of the things that she did as far as being a district attorney and the way that she implemented policy as a district attorney, I think some of those are fair arguments to have with regard to Kamala. But the standard to which uh, Kamala was held, I don't feel like Joe Biden was held to that standard with the 92 crime bill. I don't feel like, uh, I don't feel like some of the other candidates were held to those standards. Uh, Amy Klobuchar is also a district attorney, uh, also was a, is a former prosecutor. So if that's the standard by which we are going to assess uh, this process and make a determination on who we should bring in and who we shouldn't bring in, by all means, then I think that that should be a standard that we hold for all all people. Now, I do, I will say that as black folks, we tend to uh, hold black folk to a different standard because mm-hmm. from, the, from the standpoint that uh, we expect more of us than we do mm-hmm. of others, and we should. We should expect us to fight for us. And uh, yeah. in, in, my, in my opinion, uh, Kamala in her senatorial capacity was doing what she could to fight for uh, black people. At least she was, she was, at the very least, being a voice that was willing to push back against this status quo that we were uh, speaking to. By no means do I confuse Kamala Harris with Malcolm X or right. Kamala Harris with, uh, with uh, you know, Asada Shakur or anything of that nature. So um, I don't want to give the impression that I thought that by putting Kamala uh, in there that we were putting... Uh, a progressive or someone who uh, is really, really ready to push the agenda forward, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, forward. But I do believe that she represented some, uh, she, she, she represented some sector of black people. Uh, And not only black people, she represented, she represented some uh, remnants of the, uh, the old Obama era Democrat or, uh, Obama era black Democrat even or black politics. That, yes, okay. right. Like like you and you 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 characterized it well when you you called it center uh, centric uh, like a centric Democrat. Yeah, I said or, like uh, yeah, I call corporate Dems. Yeah, right, a corporate Dem. I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair uh, assessment to 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 call it that. Uh, I think that uh, because of that and because of some of our disillusion. I won't. I mean, some of our disillusionment after uh, post Obama, uh, some of us were just not uh, ready for that anymore. We had been through a lot more. We had dealt with with Trump, and uh, we were needing something so different from Trump, so different yes. from from that that uh, we looked to other options. Uh, I'm looking at. I, I was looking at people like Castro, Sanders, and Warren. Uh, but it wasn't because, and it wasn't because I was, uh, you know, necessarily just 
sold totally on their policies. I believe that they're above reproach in any way. But uh, I believe that what uh, what they're setting for, I believe that some of the policies that uh, Warren and others are setting for uh, are, are policies that jive well with what's needed within our community. I still think that there's more work to be done um, by those candidates. But the optic, the, the, the notion that there are no black or brown candidates on that stage when yeah. the ever this this country is ever brownie uh, is is frustrating. I do believe that they kicked mm-hmm. Kamala on the way out of the door. I think she's going to go back into the Senate and kick ass. Uh, yeah. I hope that uh, the people can uh, recenter their focus on what she can be for our people in the capacity in which she works. And uh, you know, begin to uphold her again, and not you know, not beat her down about uh, the things that she's done, and hold her accountable for the things she's done in the in the past. But make room for her to 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 improve upon that, and to make amends for those things through the mm-hmm. through the work she could do for us now. Yeah. So I did an episode um, in the first part of the year called "Would the Real Kamala Harris Stand Up?" So if you haven't watched it. Um, or listen to it, definitely go ahead and listen to it. And I definitely, um, I was worried when I did some research about her. I was not a Kamala supporter. I haven't made my mind up though. So um, I'm I'm definitely one of them Democrats that if they called me and asked me who I'm supporting right now, I, I really don't know. Um, so, you know, and we, and we discussed those issues that she had and then she went on Angela Rye and did an interview with Angela Rye. And me, like a lot of people, actually felt like she still really didn't answer the question correctly. Um, or it wasn't even about a correct answer. She didn't answer the question. Like, it was like, uh, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you've worked for a politician and if you pay attention to politics, you know, seasoned politicians have a way of answering a question with no answer. So, you know, I, I was definitely one of those people who were, um, who was, who was definitely skeptical about how progressive she was. Now, is she a good person? Yes. Did she kill that first debate and did she energize me and was I kind of amped about, I was I amped about seeing her, um, her candidacy progress? Definitely. Um, because I think that, you know, I think the Democrats right now want to fight her. And I think that post Bernie's um, health scare, I think that that kind of lit the fire under Bernie Sanders. So we've seen him come out and be a little bit more, you know, um, just uh, just a little bit more fiery and just showing that, you know, he's a fighter and he's in the game. And, you know, we don't want another bully, but we do want a fighter. And I think that what we're seeing now is, you know, the field has kind of dwindled, but I think that field's going to change. Because uh, I think this this infusion of capital and money into the political process over the next month um, will be so dramatic that we're, we'll see that field change. Because I really do think that there's, go- I think Tom's, I'm not sure which one it is, Tom Steyer or Bloomberg. I think someone's going to kind of like, not that there'll be a dark horse, but we will see them emerge as a part of the conversation as we get through, um, as we start kind of working through the um, primary season. Because if you can buy $50 million worth of ads in California right now, you can make a dent on how Californians vote, because I think California might end up being on one of the, on a Super Tuesday, I'm not sure. 
um, or even smaller markets. I mean, we have, I think the first month of primaries is Iowa, South Carolina, New Hampshire, and I want to think, I think Nevada comes up right after them. And I think that, you know, if you're smart and if you have analytics folks like Bloomberg do, I'm sure that he's starting to spend his money in these states that he knows he can make a dent. So, you know, I think that we will see money emerge as a topic as we move forward, which is unfortunate because we want the right person against Donald Trump. We don't really want this to be about money. And I think that um, the voters out there want it to be about issues. Um, I'm not sure if healthcare is the number one issue, but they want it to be about access to healthcare. They wanted it to be about, you know, our national safety. They want it to be about um, you know, clean water, clean air and our environment, those big issues that matter to them on a larger scale, right? No one expects, I mean, like we heard this guy during our um, Black Male Voter Project who basically made the comment like, I don't vote because he ain't stopping my bag, which is the case. I mean, look, we're entrepreneurs. It don't matter who, who the president, there's still going to be a Black or No Chaser. There's still going to be a citizen of pod. We're still going to be out here you know, telling our listeners and our viewers, you know, to be themselves and to to go after the things that they want in their communities. Um, so he's not going to stop our bag. He's just going to make us more important and more relevant. But we want to make sure that since we are Democrats, since we are working to, you know, to see him leave, that we are inspired by one of these candidates. And I'm not other than Bernie Sanders. And if we don't have an inspirational vice presidential candidate with them, I'm I'm worried. It's looking a little lily out there. What are you guys thinking? I just personally though, like, yes, uh, it's disappointing that nobody as of, as it stands, I think they still have a deadline to meet by way of uh, still getting donations in. Mm, so donate okay. to Castro, donate to Cory Booker's campaign. Uh, we need those guys on the stage. Uh, I think uh, phenomenal platforms. No candidate. If you've been in politics for X amount of years, uh, it's perfect. And so uh, with that being said, I don't think personally that uh, uh, Senator Harris was given a fair chance. I think that when she was deemed with top cop from the very beginning in terms of uh, in California, uh, with, with the way that resonates and like sticks with black people, immediately we're taken aback yeah. by They're like, oh, you a cop? Oh, no, I know I ain't. And we got to be able to like sift through like the rhetoric and be smart enough to know that this country, we know, is barely ready for a white woman to be president. And I don't want to make this all about race, but we know good and well that this country ain't ready for a black woman to be president. We may think at some points we are, and we and we may think she got a fair shot, but the standard, and I'll be real, man, I'll be frank. Uh, I think the black black communities uh, across the country, uh, and uh, you know, people may be pissed off about this, I don't think we gave her a fair chance. I think mm -hmm. that with that one singular issue and deemed there as somebody that's not for black people. Um, yeah. I think that when you look at our policies, I think that when you look at the cascade effect of those particular policies and who's and who's who's in education, who's in healthcare, things of that nature, who healthcare affects the most versus others. Uh, and, and, and so I think that like when you look at the total platform, I don't think she's any different than any other candidate out there. I think, I think that the top cop uh, that came out very, very uh, early on um, after she released her, uh, you know, did uh, when she opened up on Martin Luther King's birthday right on that Monday. I remember uh, I really enjoyed the actual trailer I enjoyed, and I enjoyed her platform. 
Uh, I know folks that worked in that campaign who wouldn't work on anybody's campaign and they didn't believe in themselves, believed in black folk. And uh, yeah. so it's kind of like, to me, uh, I, I would I would say emphatically that she was not given a fair chance. And I would argue anybody uh, and say that we did um, because like, we know good and well, man, that woman ain't perfect, but we know good and well that Biden ass ain't perfect. Uh, I would tell you what though, I would tell you what, uh, consistency is key. Um, mm -hmm. And in terms of candidates, we look at Castro, there's probably not a more consistent candidate in terms of speaking on the issues, being quote unquote woke. Uh, if you if you if you have been donated to Castro's campaign, he's not on that stage. We are truly doing a disservice to this country, mm -hmm. even if he's not on that stage. Um, you look at uh, and you can look at his issue from the time he was mayor to the time he was secretary of HUD, and uh, he has a uh, phenomenal track record uh, representing folk. And I think lastly too, though, um, you know, a Booker is not perfect, but again, though, right? You're looking for the perfect candidate. Then, like, come on, man, you gotta, you gotta be able to reconcile with me. How in the hell Trump got in office? And we can talk about electoral college, and maybe we come on Citizens Pod again and talk yeah. about electoral college process and what that looks like. But at the end of the day, the standard that by which we hold, uh, uh, I think, uh, black folk too, and I will push back. I'll, I'll challenge anyone, even even you folks on here, is that like I'm just not into actually creating more barriers and rifts for black folks. I'm actually trying to find a way to get more blacks into office and and lead it and in leadership because it what it does is it's similar to what that little black boy did to Barack Obama and when Barack Obama touched down and Susan took that photo of him, the iconic photo. It does something to the next generation of black women to see a black woman out there speaking on black issues. And mm -hmm. what we agree with every single thing Kamala Harris has done while she's been in politics, what we can't agree on that sister's qualified, she knows politics, and she will represent this country in a way we could be proud of. And so like yeah. to me, uh, that symbolism hope and that's in a change, a real shift in who we are as a country is enough for me to say that she, uh, she, she was good enough uh, and, and we didn't give her, to be honest, the support she needed to really extend into 2020, at least, at the very least, make it to, uh, to, uh, to, to February, where we can see the first round of primaries show up in New Hampshire, South Carolina, uh, Nevada, and uh, in Iowa, right? And from there, you know, let the chips fall where they may. But the fact that she's not financial until then is highly disappointing. And I will say again, she was not yeah. given a shot uh, while, she was on the, uh, while she was on that stage. Real quick, I definitely want to uh, jump back on and just say, you know, I totally ag agree with you that I don't think that the shot that she was given was was fair. Uh, I do think that they jumped out on her early, and I think they jumped out on her early because they felt threatened by her, uh, and that they wanted to eliminate her as a um, as a candidate. I do think, uh, and I and I I'll, I'll reemphasize that uh, it's important as Black folks to. Uh, you know, have expectations of black people. But I think Kamala uh, is, I think she was a, a, a for real sister that's, that's, that's down for black people. Uh, whether, whether, uh, whether she did some things that definitely hurt, uh, more than likely hurt mostly black folk, uh, you know, with, the, with in, our, in our capacity, but when you look at the criminal justice system as a whole, the criminal justice system, and if you are acting as an agent of it at any given time, uh, you're going to be hurting mostly black folk because that's who the criminal justice system hurts uh, the most. So we understand that and we want people to uh, to reject that system when it comes to how they uh, work for us and, and, and function in that capacity. But I do think that she was not given a fair chance. I do think that uh, the standard 
and the barriers that were created for her were different than the ones that were that others have been held to and are being held to at this point in time. And I believe that if we can hold uh, uh, black folk and black women to that standard, I, I believe that we need to ratchet it up several notches for these candidates that are left and uh, hold them accountable. Uh, to us as well in a very real way. Yes. Um. So, Black with No Chaser, how can Citizen Pod viewers find you? Where can they find you? Absolutely. You can find us, y'all, at www.blackwithnochaser.com on Instagram at Black with No Chaser, no spaces. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Black No Chaser, and uh, you can also uh, shop in the Black with No Chaser store for our hoodies at uh, Black with No Chaser dot com or directly at blackwithnochaser.com uh we're looking forward to linking up with y'all and uh continuing to grow uh with you and thank you so much again for allowing us to be a part of your show and speak to your audience today yeah no doubt and for those folks with black with no chaser who don't know me my name is kina zontel you can find kina zontel on instagram at kina zontel you can find me on twitter at kina zontel you can find me on facebook at kina zontel i have a facebook page also I'm a business page, Kina Zontel, that gives you updates on Citizen the Pod. Um, I have a another Instagram page at the Surge 2020 because all the citizens out there know how I am my show letting you guys know if we can send 100,000 men and women to war, we can engage 100,000 men and women to go out and vote and advocate for themselves. So we're wrapping this up really fast, guys. I had a great time with Black with No Chaser. Thank you, CJ. I had a Thank great time you. with you as well. Um, we're going to be talking again because we got some more shit to go. Okay, it's so much more For to sure. talk about that we left out. So I appreciate all of you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm, going, I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, definitely. This is a collab we'll have again. So peace out. What's up, citizens, voters, patriots? It's your girl, Kina Zontel. And if you want to know more about me and the show, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Kina Zontel. And also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Kina Zontel. And hit subscribe on all the podcast platforms that you're listening to the show on.